Hi guys, it's Claire and this is the Fuck the Fads podcast. If you want some company in the pursuit of a healthier, stronger, fitter you, then you've come to the right place. Strap in for stories about my own journey and useful education about how you can improve your health and achieve the goals you've always wanted without fad dieting. Hi guys, welcome to Q&A 2.6. There's a few questions to get through today. So, or something's going on with my laptop I've just updated it and um it's doing weird things so let's get stuck into the questions so the first question I think was from Beck she had um she noticed that her weight had gone up she hadn't been weighing daily um and a couple of the um veterans kindly commented in the group about why weighing daily is important and also directed her to the video on the member site um in the help video section about weighing. So if any of you haven't watched that, go and watch that because it's it's really useful to see. And one of my one-to-one clients gave me consent to use her weight chart in that video as a demonstration of how much weight fluctuates. But basically your weight will fluctuate all the time depending on different things. So your hormones can make your weight fluctuate, whether you've done exercise, how many carbs you've eaten, how much salt you've had, how much water you've had to drink will all affect your weight. And this is all down to water retention. So when our hormones peak and trough throughout the month, um, it will cause different levels of water retention. When we eat carbohydrates, what happens is our body stores, takes the glucose from the carbohydrates and stores that as glycogen in the liver and in muscle. And when we store glycogen for every one gram of glycogen that we store, we store three grams of water with it. So even if you've eaten within your calories, but you've had more carbs than usual the day before or for a couple of days previous to that, you might see your weight fluctuate and it's not anything to worry about. It's not fat. It's just that your body is storing more water and it's not necessarily that it's like bloaty water. It's usually intramuscular water in your muscles that's being stored along with the glycogen um salt has a similar effect when you eat more salt you store more water depending on the weather outside like if it's really really hot in the summer and you're drinking a lot more you might find that you drink more water so then you you store um like your water retention goes up a little bit the other thing that can affect it is when people have been on holiday and they've been on an airplane airplanes um the the process of flying makes your body store more water as well so there's all of these things and they're all linked back to water retention and then the other thing that makes your weight fluctuate as well is food volume so again even if you've eaten within your calories but you've had more food volume so for example you might have had lots of um, big mixed vegetable dishes or lots of big salads. There's going to be more volume in that than if you'd eaten a McDonald's, which is less bang for your buck in terms of food volume to calorie ratio. So again, like just more food in your system equals you're going to weigh more. Um, And then the other thing is when you weigh in the day. So that's why I say if you can get up in the morning, go to the toilet, 
get on the scales completely naked and weigh every day so that we can minimize any of the variations. Some mornings you might be able to have a poo before you weigh and some mornings you might not. And so that again will affect how your weight fluctuates. These daily fluctuations are absolutely nothing to worry about. Your weight will fluctuate all the time, every day, and that is beyond your control and nothing you can do. But the more data we have and the more we can plot that data, so by you putting those weights into your chart on Trainerize means that we can then see what's happening with that data. So we can see over time that your weight will trend down because, of course, fat does weigh something. So eventually your weight will start to trend down as you lose body fat. But in the short term, it will fluctuate all over the place. And sometimes some people won't see a trend in their weight until they've been weighing every day for three to four weeks sometimes. If you've been weighing every day for three to four weeks and there's no change and there's also no change in your body measurements or any change in your pictures, then we would need to look at what method are you using to put yourself in a deficit? Are you tracking calories? If you're tracking calories, are you doing it accurately? It's really easy to get it wrong. Like it's so easy to not track calories accurately. It It is, it can be quite a difficult thing. So it's easy to get it wrong. Um, the other thing is, are you tracking absolutely everything? you'd be surprised at how the odd biscuit here or there or the odd piece of untracked toast will add up and pull you to a maintenance. And then the other thing as well is, are you actually eating, have you set yourself enough calories? And it's not that if you eat too little, you'll gain weight, that's not a thing, but you can get into an over-restrict and overeat cycle. And this question nicely leads on to a couple of the other questions. Um, but sometimes when you set the bar too low with your calories, you'll over-restrict, you'll over-restrict, and then you'll get really fucking hungry. And then you'll end up overeating at the weekend or in the evenings, and that will pull you out of your deficit and bring you to a maintenance. So don't stress about the daily fluctuations, get on the scales, weigh yourself every morning, input it into Trainerize, and just forget about it. And as long as you're doing all of the things over time, we will see that trend down. And if we don't, then we can look at it and we can make tweaks and adjust the things that we need to adjust. Um, so that leads me on to talking about, Nikki said this morning that yesterday, and this is a great example. So this morning, her weight has gone up slightly, but yesterday she did a workout, she went for a walk, she did 10K steps, she drank two liters of water, and also she does struggle with um, irritable bowel syndrome. So all of those things will add to weight fluctuation. When you work out, you will cause inflammation in your body. There will be increased amount, amounts of glycogen brought to your muscles, increased water. The inflammation will make your weight go up as well. Um, you drank a lot of water yesterday, Nikki. You did a lot of walking, like you had a busy day. So it's not unusual that this morning your weight has gone up a little bit. And also, like you said, it might be to do with your IBS as well. Again, it's inflammation in your body. So don't stress about it. Just keep going with what you're doing and you will see. And I know that, Nikki, you know this because you've been doing this for a while now, but you will see it come back down again. Um, and then the other question that that led on nicely to was Michaela asked me to talk about um, like the overeating and 
over restricting cycle and how to manage that, how to tackle that. So firstly, um, Michaela, you're obviously not tracking calories. You're do you're using a different method, which is absolutely fine. So the first thing to note is to make sure that you're actually eating enough food in the first place and that you're not leaving yourself over hungry. That's then going to lead you to overeat. So things like making sure you're getting 30 grams of protein with every meal, have a look at the food Bible because that will help you to see like where you can get 30 grams of protein per meal without having to track food. That it's a really useful resource. So have a look at that. So 30 grams of protein with every meal, you can, another really nice thing to do to put yourself into a deficit, but make sure that you're getting enough food volume is to halve your carbohydrate portion that you would usually have and replace that that other half with vegetables, salad, that sort of thing. So really bulking out your meals with as much veg and as much volume as possible. Um, making sure that you're eating slowly is a big one so that you can register when you're full. Because another thing that leads us to overeat sometimes is when we hoover down our food and we eat really quickly and we don't give ourselves time to register, oh, actually I'm full. We then get the urge to go straight back to the cupboard and get something else to eat. So making sure that you're eating really slowly and a good way to do that is to have um, a glass of water with every meal and throughout the meal, almost like pace the meal. So have a few, few mouthfuls, drink some water, put your knife and fork down for a couple of, you know, for a minute or so, give yourself time to digest what you've just eaten, eat some more, have some more water and repeat. So you're really pacing your meal and that will help you, um, that will help your brain like acknowledge that your body's getting full and stop you from getting to that point where you've eaten so quickly that your, your brain isn't sure like whether you're actually full or not at that point. <clears throat> the other thing to talk about here is triggers for overeating. So different people will have different triggers. Um, sometimes it might be emotional triggers. It might be that you're really tired. It might be that you are hormonal. Um, it could be that you're very stressed. It might be that you're happy. There are different triggers for everybody. So stopping and having a think about what those triggers are for you and recognizing them as well is also really important. And when you have that urge to go to the cupboard and you know you've got that urge that you're going to want to overeat like you just feel like oh I just want to stuff my face with chocolate or biscuits or whatever it is or eat a whole bag of crisps like a big bag of crisps just stop for a second and take a deep breath and think okay why am I feeling like this am I stressed am I really overtired have I had something upsetting happen today am I really happy about something what is it that's going on when you can work out what it is that's going on, acknowledge that feeling and just sit with it for a minute and then go and choose, actively choose to do something else. So take yourself off for a walk, go and call a friend, have a bath, read a chapter of a book, whatever it is that you want to be. It doesn't have to be a long activity. It could be 10, 20 minutes, but go and do something else and remove yourself from that situation where the food is. <clears throat> And then once you've done that that thing, that other thing that you've chosen to do, if you're still and you feel genuine hunger after that, then go and have something to eat, but make a meal of it. So if you want some chocolate, have some chocolate, but maybe 
put it in some yogurt with a bit of granola and some fruit. So you're kind of bulking up the chocolate so that it's actually going to have some volume and it's going to fill you up. But really looking at what your triggers are and then pattern interrupting those is is a really useful way to break that cycle. And the more you can eat consistently through the day and through the week, the less you will um, feel the urge to overeat from your over-restricting, if that makes sense. So just making sure that you're eating enough food in the first place, going back to the first point that I said, is going to probably be one of the biggest things to help you reduce then that overeating. Um, I think, you know, it's really tempting for us to think, I need to restrict as much as possible. I'm on a diet. I need to cut my portion sizes way down. But actually, that's not always the case. And just because you're on a diet or you're trying to lose body fat doesn't mean you have to eat less food. It just means you have to be smart about the choices that you're making. And often you can actually eat more food, but it's about choosing the foods that are going to give you the volume without all of that extra um, unnecessary energy, if that makes sense. Let me know if you have any more questions about that. We can talk it out a bit more in the group. Um, and of course, I can talk about it more on here as well. So the next question. Um, so uh, actually, I don't think this is a question, but Amy posted on the group about having um, a big loss to begin with. And she said, I know that this is normal for me. So I think she said she's lost like four or five pounds this week or something already. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat today. So I just wanted to pick up on this because for, it won't happen for everybody, but for some people it will. And it can feel a bit disheartening sometimes if you're hearing other people are having like these big losses in their first weeks or first couple of weeks and you haven't had it. And it quite often happens like if any of you have done like Slimming World or Weight Watchers before, you might know that in your first week you'll you'll get your first certificate because you've lost half a stone. And then the week after your weight will be the same or it may even have gone up a little bit. And it's, again, it's not that you've lost, you know, seven pounds of body fat and then the next week you've gained some of that back. In that first week, it's quite often a reduction in A, food volume and B, water retention. So a lot of people, when they first diet, because you are change, like changing your diet quite drastically, sometimes cutting down on things like carbohydrates, that is going to deplete your water stores. Um, and so that's where that kind of big initial loss comes from. And it's not to say that none of it is body fat. Some of it will be body fat, but not all of that five pounds or whatever it was that Amy lost in this initial week will be body fat. And this is why it's really important to remember that just like the scales are not the be all and end all. Your, like your, your water weight will fluctuate all the time. But if you're here and you have a fat loss goal, it's because you want to lose body fat, right? And you want to lose body fat because maybe you want to feel more comfortable and confident in your clothes. Maybe you want to be healthier, metabolically healthier. You want to reduce your risk of things like type 2 diabetes and heart disease and cancer. And so you're in that, actually your weight in the short term is irrelevant because what's important there is actually that we are reducing your body fat because that's what's going to make you 
metabolically more healthy, if that makes sense. So it's really important to remember. So all of these questions are linked, I know. Um, but yeah, it's just really important to remember that like the scales are not the be all and end all. They can be a useful tool to for us to know that things are going in the right direction, but we don't need to take what they say for gospel. Um, and we certainly don't need to hang all of our hopes on what the scales say. I've had periods of time in my life where I've been the same weight, but my body has looked totally different. And that's because at one point when I was the the weight the first time, I had more body fat and less muscle. But the second time that I was at that weight, I had more muscle and less body fat. And actually I'd rather have more muscle and less body fat and be healthier but weigh the same than weigh less, but still have more body fat and less muscle, if that makes sense. Um, and then that leads me on to talk about carbs not being the energy, because uh, energy, um, enemy. I think Beck had mentioned that maybe she'd felt like she'd eaten too many carbs. Carbs are not bad. Carbs are your friend. If you enjoy carbs, eat them. I've already talked about how carbohydrates can cause some water retention, but that's not a bad thing at all. That's a normal process. That's how we store the energy that we get from carbohydrates. Um, it's how our body functions. It's, it's what's meant to happen. Carbohydrates are absolutely not bad for you. And different people will prefer different types of um, nutritional kind of makeup, if that makes sense. So personally for me, I like to have slightly more carbohydrates in my diet and probably slightly less fat. That's a personal preference for me. I know some people who prefer to have higher fats in their diet and slightly less carbohydrates. That's a preference for them. What we, what I want you guys to worry about is if you're tracking calories that you are hitting your calorie target and you're within your deficit, because that is the main thing that's going to get you, you to your goal. And then coming in at a close second is that you're hitting your protein target or getting as close to it as possible because that is going to help protect your muscle mass and repair your muscles after you've worked out and also keep you fuller for longer. And then beyond that, you can do whatever you want with carbs and fats. Ideally, as women, we want to be getting probably at least 40 grams of fat per day in our diet, but I suspect most of us will get that anyway without really thinking too much about it. Um, but you definitely don't need to worry like, oh, have I eaten too many carbs? Have I eaten too many fats? If you are within your calories and you're somewhere near your protein target, then you're winning. And that's all that I want you to worry about. I don't want you to feel like there are any foods that you shouldn't eat or that you need to cut down on. No foods are bad foods. There are, yes, more beneficial foods and yes, less beneficial foods, but they all play a part and they all have a role in our lives. And it's really important that you guys don't start or don't look at foods as demonizing because that's where like big difficulties in terms of like relationship with food can come in. So absolutely don't stress about carbs. Carbs are definitely not the enemy. Um, and then the last thing I think Michaela wanted me to talk about this was self-sabotage and, um, my thoughts on it and kind of how you can work around it. So self-sabotage is a really interesting one. And I think sometimes 
we overuse the term self-sabotage when it's not really self-sabotage. Now, again, everybody's different, but I'm going to use myself as an example. So I, an example of me self-sabotaging was when I was training to be a personal trainer, I had to do my level two first and then I had to do my level three. And at the end of each of the courses, there was a practical exam. And with the first course, the level two course, this was the first time I was doing a practical exam of that kind. And I was absolutely fucking terrified. And I had done all of the written work. I'd submitted like my big piece of coursework. I'd taken the written exam at the end and I just had the practical exam left to do. And I booked the practical exam probably about five times. I booked it and cancelled it and booked it and cancelled it and booked it and cancelled it. And the reason that I did that was because I was scared. I was scared about, terrified, in fact, that I would fail the exam. Now, the funny thing was that actually, if I failed the exam, it didn't matter because it wouldn't cost me any extra money. I could retake it whenever I wanted to. There was no penalization. All I had to do was retake the exam. And actually, had I failed it, it would have just been a really good like learning experience. I would have been like, okay, I've got to retake it, but at least now I know how the exam works. And the thing with this course is that I was kind of going in blind because it was all based online. So I had no kind of, they had some resources on on the learning platform. But aside from that, there was no real kind of introduction to how the practical exam was going to be. What I just needed to do was make sure that I absolutely knew my stuff. So when they asked me to do X, Y, and Z, I knew exactly how to do X, Y, and Z safely. And I knew why I was doing it. And I could explain the rationale behind it. And I could demonstrate that I could safely take a a client through X, Y, and Z that they wanted me to do. But I let the fear of the thought of the practical exam overwhelm me so much that I booked the exam and then I would do nothing. I did no revision. I didn't look at the things that I knew that I should be looking at. And it would get to like two weeks, 10 days before the exam and I'd cancel it. And then I'd rebook it again for like another couple of months time. And I did this for a little while. And I I really look back and kick myself now, but that was me self-sabotaging because I was so frightened of doing the exam. So by booking it and then just not doing anything, I was just self-sabotaging. So that's an example of like one example of of how self-sabotage can work or can look. And actually what I just needed to do was book the fucking exam and actually do the fucking work, which is what I did in the end. And it was fine. And I passed it with absolute flying colors because I worked hard and I knew my stuff and I'd stopped self-sabotaging. So then when you look at self-sabotage in terms of diet and exercise, occasionally people do self-sabotage with diet and exercise and only you can answer why you do that. And it might be that you're worried about what other people will say about what you're doing. So therefore you do things that you know don't align with your goals because other people have given their opinions or you think other people are going to give you an opinion about what you're doing and they might not agree with it. Um, but I actually think more often than not when it comes to diet and exercise. And again, this is me not only drawing on my personal experience, but also drawing on experience with 
all of the women that I have coached over the past two years, one-to-one and in and in group, that actually it's often not self-sabotage when we think it is. It's actually that we're just not doing the work. You're not necessarily truly self-sabotaging because you do want to get to the outcome, but it's just that either you're not quite sure how to implement it or because there's lots of other barriers in the way, like for example, emotional eating, using food as a crutch in some way, um, not understanding or not seeing the full benefits of like going out and getting your steps. So therefore you just can't be bothered. And because you don't see or can't feel the benefit of it, there's nothing to push you to go and do it, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a very nuanced topic, I suppose. But I do think with self-sabotage, when it comes to diet and exercise and improving your health, it's often more than that, or it's not self-sabotage and self-sabotage and it's actually other barriers that are standing in your way so when you find yourself not doing the things that align with your goal or choosing to do things that don't align with your goal ask yourself why are you doing that and and revisit your goal and have a think about like why is why is your goal what it is like why have you set that goal for you what is the deeper why behind your goal because sometimes as well it's just that we haven't really connected with with what our goal is we think we want fat loss because we think that's what we should be doing because essentially that's what society always tells us we need to do we always need to be smaller we need to be thinner we need to weigh less and actually that might not be the right goal for you you your goal might be that you want to get really strong and you want to improve your metabolic health and a byproduct of that might be fat loss yeah but actually that's not the deeper why behind your goal so again on the member site there is a goal setting sheet under the resources so go and have a look at that because that can help you connect with your goal on a on a deeper level and find the deeper why behind your goal which is really useful for helping you move forwards and keeping yourself intentional, making intentional choices that align with your goal. Um, And I think that's everything. I've just had a load of messages come through on the group. So I'll just quickly um, scroll through those just to see if there are any more questions. No, I think it's everyone just chatting, which is lovely. The group has been like really buzzing so far this round. I'm absolutely loving it. I love how much you're all supporting each other and rooting for each other. Oh, the other thing I actually did want to touch on was Kirsty. Um, said that she had a difficult couple of days last week, but she's managed to kind of pull herself back out of it. But just to say, if any of you are struggling, please reach out in the group because I can't help you and I can't coach you unless you tell me. Um, and everyone else in the group will be there to support you as well. So I know I encourage everyone to share their wins, which is really lovely. But sometimes that can feel a bit overwhelming if you don't feel like you're having a winning week. So definitely reach out in the group because we can A, help you pick out your wins. I can B, coach you and put you back on the right path. Um yeah. And if I, you know, if you don't reach out and you don't say, then we can't help you, but don't suffer in silence. Cause this is all about, you know, being a team and working through this together and getting you to your goal 
as a group. So that's all of the questions. Hopefully this was helpful and made sense. Let me know if you have any questions off the back of this. I can always do another Q&A at the end of the week if there are more questions. Um, yeah, and I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. If you think you'd like to work with me, if you think that I could help you and you'd like to chat to me, please visit my website, coachedbyclaire.com or visit me on Instagram at coached underscore by underscore Claire. Thank you.